puberty. It's unavoidable. It's awkward, both for you and for your kiddo. Today's guest has the right information for you to share with your kids because we know likely your own puberty education was sadly lacking. Stay tuned for all you need to know about how to help your child through puberty. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thank you for being our listeners. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Listeners, you have heard us mention Janet's Decoding Your Boy program before. Maybe you didn't need it the first time you heard us talk about it. Think about the most recent thing that your son did that baffled you, confused you, and had you in tears. I guarantee that this is something that Janet will be addressing. Support, uh, personalized coaching, connecting with other parents. And connecting with me, I love, love, love talking directly with parents and troubleshooting. And do I have all the answers all the time? No, but we usually come up with some strategy and some new perspective that is going to help you decode your boy. Check out her Decoding Your Boy program. Go to boysalive.com decode. You can join at any point during the year which means the next time your kid is driving you crazy, go to boysalive.com slash decode. We've got you. You don't have to do this alone. Puberty. It's unavoidable. It's awkward. It's overwhelming. There's so much information to cover. And as parents, of course, we want to make sure our kids have the right information, information that's accurate and inclusive. Yet somehow this topic often has us feeling awkward and maybe out of our league to discuss. And if you're like most parents, your own puberty education was sadly lacking, if you had any at all. Enter the new book, Uology. 
if you only had to cover the physical changes of puberty, that seems like it would be a fairly simple conversation to have, but puberty is so much more complicated with all the social and emotional changes that are happening too. And what if your child is also questioning their gender identity? And while you may not have a gender diverse child, your child will likely have classmates and friends who are gender diverse. Not to worry, Uology uses terms that are inclusive and that allow every child to see themselves in the pages of this great book. Welcome, Trish Hutchison. Thank you. I'm you so glad to be here to go through puberty with y'all today. I know. <laughs> well, you're a pediatrician, so you probably go through puberty a lot. You're yes, also the co-founder of Girlology and the Period Education Project and co-author of the Girlology and Guyology series of books. These are gems. They are absolute gems, Trish. Tell us how Uology came about and all the other ologies came about. <laughs> so uh, have, I'm a pediatrician, as you said, and I have a business partner who's an adolescent uh, pediatric gynecologist. And so we had similar patients that we shared. And, and Girlology actually was our first um, company that really started out uh, as an uh, extension of our busy clinical practices. Uh, we get it. Puberty, periods, uh, erections, all those things aren't easy topics for parents to talk about. And so that's why we really created Girlology is to give kids medically accurate information and also help parents have these sometimes awkward conversations at home. And these conversations really matter, right? And so we wanted to help them happen. And so we've been running um, these uh, live programs, mother, daughter, father, son, or caregiver, kid, whatever, uh, girlology and guyology. And what Melissa and I wanted to do, we actually had books called girlology and guyology. And we named these way before there were appropriate terms for gender. This was ages ago. Now, you know, this our company is so binary and we're so glad that we came out with uology. But what happened is we really wanted to update our puberty books to include boys and girls puberty in there. But we also know, know that we needed to have an inclusive language. And so Dr. Katie Lowe is the third cohort in this book. And we're so glad the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics, put us together. And we that was our COVID project. We wrote this book and we used a lot of the content that we already had for our girlology and guyology. And then Katie really helped us make it more gender diverse because all kids need to know this information and all kids need to know what all kids go through, right? It right. makes them more supportive and empathetic of each other. That's what we hope right. anyways, parents. Gone are the days of, okay, all the boys are going over to that room and all the girls are going to that room. That's what we had in school. Jen, did you have that in school? We did, except those days are not gone, Janet. What? That is still... What? Those days are not gone. No. In a lot of cases, I mean, Trish, you can confirm this for me or rebut it. That's a best case scenario in a lot of places. At least that's some puberty education, but we are not at all where we should be with puberty and sex ed in this country. Well, well then what happens is they don't have it till the sixth grade. And oh my gosh, kids are already budding, having erections by then and are trying to figure out what's going on. So they're either not having it, they're having it too late. Or it's so gender specific that nobody knows what anybody else is going through, that it's mm -hmm. taboo what they're learning in the other room. And I want to underscore the importance of that. It is 2022 right now. <laughs> As we're recording this, you know, Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, baby formula shortages. And this is on boys podcast. We talk about boys here, but it is so blatantly apparent to me 
and in some recent medical interactions I've had, how few people understand the female body, that is problematic for our society. So this isn't something I did a great job at. I have four sons, Trish. I didn't have any daughters. So I didn't have, I, you know, I didn't have the, a daughter right here going through puberty that I had to talk about it with, but oh my God, do we all need to understand how all bodies work? Our puberty program for guys is for fourth and fifth grade, right? Boys we know go through puberty anywhere between nine and 14. The earlier you talk about it, the more receptive and excited they are about these changes. But when we talk about menstruation to the boys, they're like, oh, I mean, they, they have great questions. I mean, one guy says, how does the blood come out? It's like opening up the spigot and it pours out. I mean, they, guys like the facts. They mm -hmm. like visuals. They mm -hmm. want to know what's going on. But the parents are sitting there going, oh my gosh, are we talking about this? But the kids are like on the edge of their seat, so excited to learn about it. So I think the problem is us parents, because we haven't unpackaged our own baggage about our own puberty experience. Absolutely. And so we just add all this shame and embarrassment around it and just medically accurate. I think that's why people appreciate what we do is because we just say it with a straight face. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. this is what an erection is. This is what an ejaculation is. It's normal to masturbate. And kids are like, what? <laughs> well, right. and, and to your point too, and we've had Amy Lang of birds and bees and kids on the podcast several times. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. her, you guys should meet, you know, she is always saying the earlier you have these conversations, yes. the less awkward they are because Absolutely. they are interested and fascinated and they want the facts and it's not, you know, all the overlay of all the baggage that we bring to it as the adults. So absolutely. That is so true. And the other part about having conversations early is the sexual abuse prevention. You know, nine and 10 is the normal age of when kids are groomed and, and start having these issues. So if you start having these conversations and you normalize body changes, you use correct anatomical terms for their body parts and you teach them what privacy is. Oh my gosh. It is just sexual abuse prevention right there. So there's um, all pros to talking about this with our kids. The only con really is our own discomfort. And you're going to help us and other parents get past that discomfort. Oh, I am. Okay. I'm ready. Just the end <laughs> of the book, right? <laughs> Well, and this is, an, and always a strategy for parents is buy the book, read it, and then leave the book laying around and your kid will definitely pick it up and squirrel it away to their bedroom and read it cover to cover, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, and you know, we really want to change the culture of sexuality education because that's what parents want to do. They want to either outsource it, which is fine, as long as they somehow involve themselves and outsourcing, it means they use, we have puberty programs or the book. But what we recommend is read the book first and say, hey, I've read this book. I would like you to read it. And after each chapter, let's go over some questions or let me hear your thoughts or what you're feeling. And I think that's okay. I would rather them not just put it on the bedside table. Yeah, no, I love this idea of, hey, let's talk about it. And we know that because uh, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast is our boys are likely not going to sit down and have, you know, eye contact and a deep conversation. You might catch a soundbite in the car on the way to soccer practice. But the thing is, you have to bring up the subject and not wait for them to ask the question or say, you know, hey, mom, what about masturbation? They're not going to do it. But right. you as the parent have to say, hey, son, let's talk about masturbation. Or use media. Oh my gosh, use songs, use TV shows, use 
cousins who are pregnant, use dogs that are mating. Oh my God. They're teachable moments everywhere out there. And guys do better if it's not a sit down lecture, as you said, it's a three to five minute snippet that you can instill some cool scientific facts about. I mean, how many times does a guy fart in a day? I mean, they think that's fabulous and add something to it. And so I think it's just little, just like you said, snippets, but sometimes if they're younger and you're already talking about it, they will bring it up to you with questions. Mm -hmm. Um, But if they're too old, they're not going to ask you about it. They're really not. And the cool thing is if you as a parent or caregiver start these conversations early, then you make yourself the go-to person. You say, I'm open, I'm available whenever, come see me. So, you know, start with proper anatomical terms as a toddler, talk about body changes, parts, and be very comfortable with it. But I know that that's not what every parent can do. And so I just charge all of you to practice with words in the mirror, practice with your partner, um, just start talking aloud about it. It, it. It's easier if you keep trying, I promise. It's difficult for many moms to think about having a puberty conversation with their sons because we don't know. We didn't go through We don't it. have a penis, do we? We don't. I don't know what that's like. I don't either. But I would tell you the majority of the females in the household are the sex educators. And so when we first started off with our programs, um, we used to say moms or an aunt or grandmother had to bring their daughters and a male figure had to bring their sons to our programs ages and ages ago. And then, of course, we had two dad families, two mom families or single mom, single dad, whatever. And so we said, all right, whoever comes and does the education, bring them on. What happened is more moms brought their sons to the puberty class than the dads. And Mm. so it wasn't awkward. It wasn't uncomfortable. If dads came to the puberty girls program, it wasn't awkward or uncomfortable. The parents feel awkward or uncomfortable, but the kids really don't. Mm -hmm. They're, they're absolutely fine with it. But I agree with you. We don't know what parts we have. We don't have the same parts, but I do think, and y'all can tell me as moms of boys, do you think women are the educators, sex educators within the home? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in most cases, this is just my uh, opinion from my experience and talking to a lot of other moms, moms feel more of the responsibility to have the big picture conversations too. Uh, Dads almost never had these kinds of conversations with their parents. And so they feel extremely awkward doing it. And frankly, many of them lack knowledge, which is, it's okay. It's where they're at. This, this is why, I mean, Uology, this book outlines male and female puberty and talks about, um, you know, different challenges and issues that may be going on if you have a, a kid who is non-binary, a kid who is um, dealing with gender identity questions. And that is something that absolutely positively was not covered in any mm-hmm. puberty class or book I ever read as a kid. I mean, as a, as a grown up, these are hard things to talk about because nobody explained it to me. Right, right. And you know, we we wrote this book. Gender is a trigger word right now, right? So mm-hmm. it is just a trigger word. And we didn't write this book to get um, media attention or anything. We really wrote it to educate families and parents about this because, as you said at the beginning. If you don't if deal with a gender diverse kid in your family or have one, they have a friend that's, yeah. you know, gender diverse. And, and I think it just, I, it just makes us all, if we learn the proper terminology support, you know, gender affirming care for our peers and our kids, it just makes a huge difference. But no, it was not talked about when we grew up. I'm 55 and it was not even mentioned. So Mm-mm. no, no. 
Yeah, we have three decades covered here, not mentioned at all. <laughs> no. Um, and so in your book, and I love how it's laid out, it's you have personalities, you have people that are the characters in the book, and they each have, you know, their own likes and dislikes, and, and you really build them up as, hey, here's Quinn and Rowan, I don't remember right. all their names, but that just makes it more friendly and, and kids can really see themselves in this book. So I love that. But as a adult reader, I love that you've got a glossary in the back and you've got an index. So, you know, when my child asks about something, I can just, you know, go into the other room and quickly look up the glossary and what they're talking about or encourage them to look it up too. Right. And the other thing we did with this book, I, I love the stories, number one, because I think kids can see themselves. And we incorporated the stories a good bit because we didn't want to constantly say people with ovaries or people with testicles, or we're more than our body parts. So what we did is we added the characters so we can incorporate stories. If you're a girl or a person like, you know, Oliver and things like that. So I think that was helpful for the reader not to feel so ostracized in this book, but incorporate it all. But um, we also didn't separate male and female anatomy or right. breast or anything, because you know what would happen? They would go, the opposite sex would go to the opposite sex chapter and not read anything else. And so we made sure that each chapter actually contained information about all kids. So it isn't mm -hmm. separated. And, and that was a challenge to try to figure out how to incorporate all that. But so um, for example, um, chapter four, hello, Harry. Mm -hmm. H-A-I-R-Y, because body hair is an issue for all humans as we go through puberty. Uh, chapter seven, breast and chest. Chapter six, the skin you're in. And so part of what happens here is, uh, yes, you learn how other people experience or may experience puberty, but you also see that there are a lot of commonalities and Here's where I think a lot of parents get hung up, parents and caregivers, adults. Puberty is not about sex necessarily or only. Parents get hung up on it because we were taught maybe puberty was handled only in that sexual sense. And yes, when you go through puberty, you become capable of sexual reproduction, but puberty affects the functioning of every aspect of your body. Can you talk about that, Trish, a little bit? Yes. And Jennifer, I appreciate you saying that because when we started our company, our families really appreciated that we separated that conversation. There's so many puberty books out there that have puberty and sex in them. And that's a lot to process for a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And and puberty conversations can happen so much earlier because this body changes to get them excited about it. But yes, I think you're exactly right. We, we think about even the HPV vaccine or puberty or anything has to do with their, that does have to do with their sexuality, right? But it's not sex. It's, it's not that three-letter word that we panic to talk to our kids about, but I love that we separate the conversations out so kids can process what happens to their body. But we do say you go through puberty. So one day, if you decide you can have a baby, I mean, that's the reason we go through puberty. And that's the only mention of, of any sex in the book. I hear from parents all the time how bath time can be such an ordeal. And yet bath time can be really fun. In fact, here in the very cold winter, we use bath time as an activity. Dabble and Dollop has got this dialed in because they have bath products that are not only natural, healthy, free of toxins, all the things we want for our kids, 
but they're fun. Jen, you said when your boys were young, they loved to make potions. My son, Tyler, had so much fun mixing things together, making potions, recipes. He would have loved Dabble and Dollop's Day at the Beach bath mixing set because it's a collection of soap scents and a little mixing thing and your kids can combine scents and make their own creations. It is exactly the kind of thing that can turn bath time into a fun, enjoyable, creative endeavor instead of just a fight. And I will say the bubbles have been bow tested in the bathtub and they last. They stay bubbles for a long time. Dabble and Dollop has everything from bath time shampoos, bubble baths, body washes, conditioners, lotions, bath bombs, bath toys and accessories. There's so many things to explore at Dabble and Dollop. Go to dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys to get 20% off your first order. That's dabbleanddollop.com slash onboys, 20% off for being an onboys listener. Talk about the social aspects of puberty and how kids may be affected socially and emotionally. Ooh, that's a that's a long topic, right? That is. Um, we do know that girls' self-confidence plummets around puberty, and a lot is about um, their body image, how they feel about themselves. Um, it, but in boys, there's not a whole lot of research on the drop in self-confidence. But we also know that if, if boys or girls or any kids know what's ahead, they face it with more confidence and less anxiety. So I had a kid who came into my office that was having wet dreams. His parents had not talked to him about it. He, uh, the nanny was pretty much raising him. And so he would have these wet dreams. He was panicked, think he was dying. He took, would take his sheets off his bed and throw them away. And oh. nobody in the household ever talked about it. And so he came into the office and I'm talking about puberty and masturbation and erections. And, and I mentioned, I said, and sometimes at night you may have a little fluid. You don't wet your bed. And the sense of relief that came oh. over him that, oh my God, that's normal because nobody had said anything to him about it. And so I, I think that if we can just have these frank conversations, whether it be your physician, you, another family member, that go-to person, it really helps kids understand and they can face it with more self-confidence. I think that's a huge deal in puberty. Yeah, It's easy for us as adults to forget mm. how distressing it is to not know some of this stuff. Right. Once you know about wet dreams, you're like, oh yeah, that's the thing that happens. Once you know about menstrual periods, oh yeah, that's a thing that happens. But if nobody told you. Right. I mean, girls mm -hmm. think they're dying when they start their period because they have no idea what a yep. period is. I mean, uh, it's crazy. Spontaneous erections in puberty. Boys don't realize that they have no control over what happens in their pants. If somebody says, you know, testosterone's flowing through your body and sometimes the wind blows makes you have an erection. <laughs> it just happens, right? And so I think they're relieved to know and, and curiosity is normal during puberty. And, mm -hmm. and I think that kids feel guilty or shame because they're curious about their own bodies or other people's bodies, but they're curious beings. They want to know what's going on about that. And I think mm -hmm. that's another topic that parents need to talk about. Yeah. And you have a whole chapter about curiosity. It could also be called pornography because mm -hmm. that's what's happening for our kids today. And we've had plenty of those conversations on this podcast. So you kind of approach it a little bit differently. Talk about that chapter and, and that it's okay to be curious and that there's places to be curious and that's not the internet. 
And I think this is one of my favorite chapters because it broaches subjects that parents really are nervous about, and that's masturbation and pornography, right? I mean, those are two words that are really difficult for anybody to handle. Um, but the main thing is if we do realize that curiosity is normal and there's nothing wrong with wondering how your body is different or same from anybody else's, that's just what happens. And so sometimes kids do self-explore. And, and we always say there are a couple of rules around masturbation. It shouldn't take up all your free time. It is not a spectator sport. It should be, you know, in the privacy. So there are things that if kids know it's normal, if they're doing that, then it's fine. But parents have this thing about masturbation that they're really nervous about. But pornography to me is really, really scary. Um, I think that the research coming out shows that it is so damaging for our kids. And there was a research study that came out that said about over 80% of teenage boys have seen pornography. Um, and another one mentioned that, you know, 75% of parents were like, no, my kids aren't seeing pornography, but 50% of those kids really were, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, mm -hmm. And then the scariest was over 50% of boys, I think it was 11 to 16, actually felt like what they saw in pornography was normal sex. I just had this conversation again, uh, in front of my boys. And I've said it before. I'm like, just so you know, and uh, Trish, my youngest is 16. My boys range in age from 16 to 24. Just so you know, porn <laughs> is not real sex. It's not They're like, real. yeah, you said that mom. Good. I'm going to keep, but saying. you're saying it. So I can't tell you how many parents call me and say they picked up their six-year-old's iPad and there was pornography on it, you know? And, and my whole thing is, the majority of times that younger kids find it, it's out of simple searches. It's for yep. Dick Sporting Good, Dora mm -hmm. the Export. Pornography, people that own pornography websites know trigger words that kids oh, put sure. in there and pull them in. It's scary. But I think that you just, you don't want to catch them. You want to have the conversation before and say, you know, have you ever heard of this word porn, pornography? No, what is it? You know, and just talk to them about it. I think it's really, really important. We have a... Um, uh, downloadable on Girlology. There's 10 conversations to have with your kids about porn, which is really, really important. And I can mm. zip that to you guys if you want to yeah. add it up there. But um, it, 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 it's really scary with this thing right here with kids, you know, what age, yeah. four, five, six iPads, it's at their fingertips. You know? So how do we support healthy curiosity? That is a great question. Um, I think what we need to do is find healthy ways that depict its naked bodies whether it be some people are comfortable within their own household. Some people cover up. It's, it's completely up to you, right? Some people think it's creepy that mom or dad, it, different cultures have different thoughts on nudity within the family. So I'm not going to, I can't sit here and say mm -hmm, what's right mm -hmm. or wrong with that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think there are rules um, around certain ways of nudity, but I think that's the other is art. Oh my God. Statue of David. Um, there's lots of art that you can go see and do every art exhibit um, has some sort of nudity in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a healthy way for kids to be able to see nudity. Um, the other is look up sites that have medical textbooks or, and, and you can find these yourself. Don't let them go look for them, but there <laughs> yeah. are some websites. <laughs> don't let them naked bodies. You know what they're going to get. Um, but there are some medical sites that you can actually find some graphics or healthy uh, versions of what nudity looks like, but it's, it's hard for parents. A lot of parents don't want to show kids nudity, but they're curious. So they want to see what boobs look like or what a penis looks like. If they have a younger brother, sister running around naked, then there you go. That's perfect. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, National Geographic magazine. National Geographic. I mean, that was that, that was our go-to. The National bosoms. Geographic. Yeah, only bosoms. Sears catalog yeah. was back in my day. Oh, that was mine. I'd go get that thing out of the mailbox and go to those tidy whitey section immediately. That's right. Well, and uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Yes, thank you for mentioning that because they have uh, not just the swimsuit, but they have an athletic edition where they have the athletes. The swimsuit makes me nervous because of body image issues, but they do have the uh, volleyball players, baseball players, they have disabled players and it comes out every year. I think it's July. And that is one of my favorites. It doesn't actually show body parts, um, but it does uh, show different body styles and types. That Mm -hmm. is a super cool one because it shows like puberty is a human constant Mm -hmm. and yet our bodies all turn out very, very differently. There's this huge, broad, beautiful range of normal and um, exposure to that is good for all of us. In um, your book, Uology, by the way, it's, uh, you know, like cartoon style illustrations, but it is so inclusive. I mean, there are people of all shades, colors, heights, wheelchair, not in a wheelchair. I love that. And you don't necessarily realize how much you don't see that in other books until you see it in one. Right. And, and we, that was very important to us. Even the cover image was very important to us. The artist, Lisa Perrette, she's absolutely phenomenal. She did our illustrations for our other two books and combined for this and her eye for non-binary, all different cultures. It was just fabulous. We got so excited when she sent us uh, what, after we sent her a description of the characters and what she came up for. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. So let's talk about talking about puberty and including info and supportive uh, information for gender diverse youth, kids who may be questioning gender, kids who may have a friend who is. And so you're talking about puberty with say your son and he's like, well, what about this kid? Most parents are really stumped here. Yes. Uh, They're having enough trouble talking about to their son about puberty, much less to add about menstruation and somebody else. Right. And, and I will say this as somebody who's been raising teenage boys for the last number of years. I mean, kids are trying to understand the world and it's not uncommon to hear a boy say something like, well, we don't need pads or tampons in the boys bathroom. And there are reasons for that, but trying to explain this is complicated. It's very complicated. And as the three of us said, we weren't raised that way. So we have to rethink and revise what we're saying, right? I mean, there's a lot of media out there that says not all females menstruate there. And this is what some, some of the media takes way off with it, right? right? And so it's just that I think it's very important to define with your kids, sex assigned at birth, is science, reproduction. And a lot of times before we do our puberty programs, we go, this is just a scientific lesson of if you were born female at birth, these are your parts, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're doing our guyology, then this is sex assigned at birth, penis, testicles. Um, But what we also have found is that if we have someone that is gender diverse, we have them go to both classes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they learn what they have and how to take care of it and how they identify and what the ways they'll go through it in that way. So I think that we just have to be open and honest and we have to open our minds a little bit as parents to not be in this box mm-hmm. and to really change our own language around how we're talking about it. And if you're confused as a parent, which 80% of parents are right now, ask, but be open-minded and non-judgmental when you're asking. Actively listen. Why do you ask this question? 
How do you, why do you feel this way? Do you feel more like a boy than a girl? Would you like to shop in the men's section or the uh, women's section, kids section for clothes? You know, I, I think that you just have to think about questions that will open your kid up to feel comfortable. And, you know, mm -hmm. then you could get down and dirty and ask about what pronouns they want to use if you want to go that far. But we know if you have a gender diverse kid at home, the more love and support you can give them, the better off it is for everybody. And, and as, as parents who have kids that are gender diverse, that were raised uh, in the South or anywhere else, it's hard. And, and I totally respect it and I get that. And so ask for help if you don't understand. Ask them to explain what they're talking about. Find a provider in your area that can help you have these conversations in a healthy way. I love what you said. The more love and support you can give them, the better. Because that is not exclusive to gender mm -hmm. diverse kiddos. That is a human constant. Yes. And so it's easy to get lost in the weeds and the details. You know, what does this mean for my child and how they go through puberty? What does this mean for their future relationships? What does this mean for? Bring it back. Love and support the yep. kid in front of you. Yep. And as you said, reach out for help regardless you know, all issues. I'm not just talking about puberty issues. I'm not just talking about gender diverse raising kids. You will bump into many things mm -hmm. that you don't know what the hell to do. Absolutely. I've messed up many times. <laughs> <laughs> I just asked my kids. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about red Panda, which I have to say, I haven't seen, but Jen, <gasps> Jen's seen it. I haven't seen it. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. I know. So red Panda came out recently Pixar film referred to menstruation. There was a lot of uproar. There were people saying this is not an appropriate movie for kids, which to me uh, underscores a lot of we got to talk about this stuff. But Trish, what are what are your thoughts? And as a pediatrician, as somebody who's concerned about puberty and medically accurate information, is this something we should consider watching with our kids? You know, I mentioned teaching moments can be Teachable moments can be anywhere. Red Panda is an amazing teachable moment for kids. It, when they're younger, it's going to go right over the head. They don't have any idea what they're talking about. But if they ask questions and they're seven, eight about what they're talking about, 50% of the universe menstruates, right? And so it is a perfectly normal part of human physiology. You don't say that to your eight-year-old, but you know, you <laughs> just start talking about it. Is this, oh yeah, by the way, this thing called your period or the menstrual cycle it can happen in people born a female anywhere with the ages of nine and 16. And, you know, you bleed a little bit through your vagina, comes from your uterus. Usually that's like, oh, that's all they need. You know, sometimes they want more, but a lot of times it's just, just a sentence. But that movie is such a perfect teachable moment of the mom getting panicked, the girl. I mean, it just is beautiful. And it's not in your face, right? Unless you're looking like if the media hadn't brought up, oh my God, this is so about periods, people probably wouldn't have even thought a about it. A lot of people wouldn't, right? You know? Yeah. So it just shows you, it's really sad that we can't face change, normal changes in our bodies and talk about it. We're yeah. supposed to put it underneath the bed and kids are just supposed to figure it out on their own. To me, that's scary. But most people say it's up to the parents to have this conversation. Perfect. You know, see the movie, it's a teachable moment. But some of the parents are like, well, what if they see it with their friend's house? Well, they see it at their friend's house, ask them when they come home. But I just think, again, we as parents, many of us have not unpacked our own puberty educational blunders and messages 
that we got wrapped around our education. So it's very difficult for us to feel comfortable to have these conversations with our kids. And we can have hope and take heart in that if we do this, it is going to be so much easier for our kids with our grandkids. So we're changing this pattern. We're changing the silence that we've had. And so, you know, the more we can step up now with our own kids, it's going to be that much easier for our kids to do with their kids. Absolutely. As a pediatrician, what advice do you have for parents who, you know, they're a little overwhelmed and confused by these puberty conversations? They're taking to heart that I should reach out and ask, you know, pediatricians do not have a lot of time in appointments to go into this. So um, what would be something that I could maybe say to my kid's pediatrician to ask for some help here? And and that's why we started Girlology and Guyology because extension of, you you can't get everything in that 10 to 15 minute well visit. You have kids, you take them in and out. You got to talk about substance abuse, school, you know, I mean, there's so much to talk about. And the sad fact is these parts, menstruation, puberty, these are the parts that are dropped. I'm a pediatrician, so I can say this. Many pediatricians feel uncomfortable talking about this. I mean, there was a study out of Duke that said that um, two thirds of visits within a physician's office with a pediatrician had a conversation about reproductive health and they lasted less than 36 seconds. We help try to educate physicians to have these conversations and be more comfortable with it. We partner with pediatric practices all throughout the nation to help them have um, supplies to give to their patients to talk about this. But parents, I hope that you'll take this. You can outsource it, but I don't want you to outsource it so much that you're not involved, that you need to make sure that whatever you outsource it to, you understand everything there and you let your kid know that you've read it, seen it, done it as well. I'd love for you to use girlology, guyology, or uology, please. We have we have guyology uh, puberty program recorded. It's a nine bite-sized segment video that you can watch. You go to girlology and just go put guyology in the search bar. I know it's hard, but it's just tiny little snippets. And the question we get all the time is they're not listening to me or they, they turn away or they run away. I promise you, your kids are listening to you. Keep trying, just keep trying. We've yeah. had so many different reactions. So many kids will laugh out loud because they're uncomfortable. Some will break out and cry. I had two kids in one of my seminars pass out when I described ejaculation, right? Because it's just, woo, it's just so much to handle. So you know your kids best, you know how they're going to react to it. So take it easy, but make sure you start as early as you can. If you have a 12-year-old, it's not too late. If you have a 14-year-old, it's not too late. If you have a seven-year-old, go. I'm going to put all these links in the show notes, the link to uology, um, girlology, guyology, because I really think that people are going to want to dig into these resources. We can't cover this in one podcast episode. No, I wish we could. Yeah. It's too much fun to talk about. (laughs) Well, and just hearing you talk about it with such ease, I hope inspires our listeners to go, oh yeah, she can talk about it like that. So I can too. You know, if, if they just channel your voice, Trish. That will get them through the through the eye of the needle. And you know, it's all for the better. It's it's changing how we think about puberty. How, as you said, you know, everybody goes through it. Our bodies are biology and change, and it's okay. And to take away the the secrecy and the awkwardness around it is to everyone's advantage. So thank you so much for writing these books, for hosting these courses. And of course, Jen will put those in the show notes. Tell our listeners where they can find you and 
your resources? So our website is uh, girlology.com and we try to get the domain guyology.com. I won't tell you who has it right now, but they will not let us have it. Mm. Uh, it's a gay porn site, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't Google that it. one. Uh, don't, don't go like there. Look for <laughs> that one anyway. We actually bought it and took it down because it was so offensive. But anyway, uh, yes, and the uology can be bought anywhere you buy your books. And Period Education Project is our nonprofit arm. We educate everyone 12 plus. We train medical students to go out to their community to teach under-resourced about menstrual health. Um, we're really excited about it. We partner with edu- agencies that supply the products and we get together and have great period education project uh, initials as PEP. So we have PEP rallies. Oh, oh I love so, it. Yes. A lot of fun. And that's what it should be, right? It yes. should just be fun. Make it fun, make it easy, but have the conversations. And you've got this great new book to be your guide and resource right beside you. Thank you so much for sharing and for just putting your heart and soul into these issues. Thank you. It's been an honor talking with you ladies this morning. Thank you for joining us. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm your co-host Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I would invite you to join me each and every month, twice in fact, for our live group program, Decoding Your Boys, Less Yelling, More Connecting. Isn't that what we all want? You can find out more and join us at boysalive.com decode. Would love to have you join this global community of parents. And if this episode has been valuable, of course, we'd love if you share it with a friend. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.